Father, we thank you for this day, for this word, for you. Open the eyes of our understanding, fill our hearts with life and light and truth, and help us to help us to be given wisdom, understanding into you, into your who you are. Thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, Amen. Sorry. I don't even download the Bible for me. Very cool. All right. What's your question? Okay. Last week, um, I we I made a statement about the difference between the millennium and eternity. Yes. And you had said I had said that we that we rebel against, and you said not we. Well, not we as the believers. And who, and who does that? Because we're the only ones that are there. Right? Ooh, no, 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 no. The, that's just the raptured people there, isn't no, it? No, no, no. The ones who are there is whoever lives beyond, beyond the catching away of the saints. Because we return to the world, and the world is still has all the people in it. Whoever's left after all of the plagues and the destruction and the right. everything else, even those who didn't give their life to Christ. Yep. And, but I don't know how long they live. Whether we, you know, obviously, I don't know if we continue to live uh, through the whole thousand years. If we live our lives and die, or because you know it's appointed unto man once to die, yeah. Or is it? I, I don't know any of that. I don't understand that myself. Because I've never, I've never thought that. Because I thought that when Christ comes back. Then everyone who made it through, who didn't go with Christ or with Satan, or all those who went with with Satan, uh, were wiped out. Nope. And then all those who didn't, were like everybody's cast into the lake of fire. Nope. Nope. That's not until the great white throne judgment, which is at the other side of the thousand year reign. Okay. Because they're they're cast into the pit. Are they somewhere? Satan is. And with the prophet and yes, prophet. but not the people. <coughs> okay, so, so I, I just assume the people went with okay. Yeah, from from what I mean, you know, here I am, definitively giving you answers. <laughs> um, I don't know any of it. I don't. I don't understand any of it. From what I believe, I understand. From what from what I've read and what you know, I I will accept from people who say they know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Is that there is a seven year tribulation? Yeah. That it's bad. It's horrible. Millions of people die. Mm -hmm. Millions and millions. Much of the earth, in many ways, is destroyed. Yeah, almost like two thirds of it, almost. Yes, Jesus, at some point in time, catches the way the saints. Whether it's the the second coming, or the rapture, or whatever it is, you call it whatever you want to call it. Pre-mid, post, whatever. But there's a catching away. I only see one catching away. In the Bible, I don't see two or multiples, as some people say. Right, there's that's, only one. Yeah, that's my understanding. That's my belief. Mm-hmm. Then we come back with him. It says that we will yes. we will come back yeah. with him to the earth. Yeah. There will still be people on the earth. There will right. be the unsaved on the earth. Right. But here's here's the here's what I think is going to what here's what I think is going to happen and here's why I think it's going to happen this way. That when we come back, I mean we will be different. 
obviously. If we're if we're miraculously taken into heaven, whether it's if it's at the beginning of the tribulation, the mid, the post, or whatever, or a single taking away, catching away when he comes back, and maybe it's we go up and we come right back down again. I don't know. Who knows? But there will be a whole world of people still on the earth. Because it says that we will we will judge the peoples of the earth. Yes, but but is that a, is that at a different place? I, I don't know where all that happens. But that goes on for a thousand years. Jesus sets up his his uh, the throne yeah. in Jerusalem. Yeah. He rules the earth a thousand years on the earth in plain sight yeah. with all of us there. And, and and I believe at some point in time we'll be ruling and reigning and we'll be over different cities and who you know that's what I think will happen yeah. and then at the end of that Satan is released yeah. and when he's released that's when he leads the world Armageddon he, he the, that's when Armageddon happens it's the last war the actual war. yeah right and and I believe why it's happening is to show that even for a thousand years. Can you turn off your notifications and your sounds, please? You're clicking and beeping over there. <laughs> okay, sorry. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> it, it, nobody else is probably hearing it, but I'm, I'm constantly... I'm not hearing it. It's not like a water drip. <laughs> <laughs> I just turned mine off so we didn't get a text message that said, you've got a text message. Woohoo! Thank you, Jesus. So... <laughs> I believe that it's happening is to, is to show that even without the devil on the earth or the demons or anybody else, so here's no opposition. At the end of it, the people still rebel. rebel. Yeah. That it's not the devil's fault. It's not, you know, this isn't, this isn't uh, because there's evil already in the world. Man chose evil. And man will always choose evil when left to his own devices without the Spirit of God. Right. Before uh, yeah. Satan became Satan, there was no Satan, and he chose the evil. Right. Yeah. Okay. I get it. And so, so it's it's approving that. See, you know, when when there's when the judgment happens, nobody can stand there and go, "Well, the devil made me do it." No, for a thousand years, the devil was not even there. Yeah. And and you still and you were still sinful because it doesn't say there isn't sin in the world at that time. <clears throat> That's what I've always. It's always kind of confused me is, you know, because Christ is here. But still, people rebel. It's like, how could they rebel? Because mm-hmm. there won't be no son. He'll be the son. Mm-hmm. You know? No, you, there will be a son. The, what it's talking about, there'll be no son, is in the new Jerusalem, the new, the new heaven and the new earth. Oh, after the thousand years. After the thousand year, whenever then, because then what happens is Satan is released after the thousand years. He leads an army. Everybody, re, you know, not everybody. They revolt against. Uh, against Christ, mm-hmm. and they meet at Armageddon, and it says that he destroys them with a word, whatever that word is. Who knows what that what it, what, it, what that means exactly? Then there's a great white throne judgment. The living and the dead are judged. The the sinful are thrown into the lake of fire and destroyed, and we live throughout eternity with Christ. After the great white throne, or after the the lake of fire, it says that everything everything that is made will pass away with a roar, and so which I believe it means the big bang in reverse. You know, it's 
it's going to roar. There's something will happen. It will destroy everything that's made, and then there'll be the new creation, the new heavens, the new earth. He will recreate. We'll get to watch him this time recreate uh, the new heavens and the new earth, and then Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, the Borg cube will uh, for for a tricky geeks. <laughs> will come down to earth and he'll reign and ruin. He will be the sun. There'll be no need for his son, so on and so forth. Okay. That's all of that. I was getting it all jumbled up. Yep. It's hard to to uh, keep it all straight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you look at all of this and who knows, obviously. But you also look at why would he do it that way. Well, I believe that the reason he does it that way is to show it isn't because of the devil. You're, you're sinful. People are human beings are sinful. I never thought about that way, but it makes sense. Um, that's just like who are the witnesses? Remember at the, at the end before before the second coming, there's two witnesses. Some people have, people have I've heard different variations of it. Some people say it's it's Moses and Elijah. Right. I don't believe it is because Moses already died once. He can't die a second time. I believe it's Enoch and and Elisha. It's appointed on a man once to die, and then the judgment. That's a verse. Uh, it's a verse in the Bible. And so, so why Enoch and why Elisha? Which is really interesting. Both. Well, Elijah was taken away, and Enoch was just gone, wasn't he? Yep. There's no description of exactly how he was taken away, but he didn't die. And so. Um, Enoch lived between the creation and the flood. Oh. Elisha di- lived between the flood and Christ. Yeah. We live now. Mm-hmm. It's, I believe it's a, the reason that those two men were picked and why God did it that way is to bear witness he's always been God. Mm-hmm. They, they, Enoch can say, hey, I was here between creation and and I can bear witness of what the world was like at that point. I can bear, you know, it says that, that they're witnesses. Mm-hmm. Well, what did they witness? They witnessed the world uh, during the time between creation and, and he, he did anyway, mm-hmm. between creation and the flood and can say God was still God. And, and I know that this is, you know, and he's bearing witness that you guys are no better. You know, they're, they're bearing witness against this generation, this this dispensation because it is violating the, the, the will of God, the law of God. Yeah. Elisha will be able to do the same thing. You know, that it doesn't, it, from from the flood until Christ, it was the same way. God was still God. It, it's all the same. And, you know, we think it's all, all we know is, I mean, all all we know is what we see. We You know, we, we can read, we can study, but we can believe it or not. There's some stuff I'm going to share tonight of of things that people wrote down, very reputable people that wrote some things down that we can go, eh, believe it or I don't. Mm-hmm. You know, it sounds like a fairy tale. But is it? It's a very reputable person, which history believes everything else they wrote. Why wouldn't they believe this? Mm-hmm. But we're human beings. We're fickle. We don't, we, don't, uh, we, don't like to, we don't like to believe. We like to see. Yes. You know, seeing is believing. We're, we're, it's all about science. It's all about prove it to me. Well, no. We need to live in a world. 
or we do live in a world where there is things where there is things here's where my English uh, starts breaking down is after 6.30 at night there are things that are true that we do not see there's a scripture verse is it Christ that says that Jews need a sign. Jews need a sign. The Greek, uh, the Greek uh, wants something else, wisdom or something like that. Yep. All right. Good question, though. There you go. We we, we kind of did the gambit there. We went from creation to the end, and a number of points in between. All right, Job. We're still thrashing our way through Job, getting closer every time. We left off. At uh, chapter 40, I believe, 40, right? Yeah, it's 39 and 40. Uh, verses 15 through 24 is the note in my notes. These were, this is where I made my marks. And we can pick up where it says, Look now at the behemoth which I made along with you. He eats grass like an ox. See how his strength is in his hips and his power is in his stomach muscles. He moves his tail like a cedar. The sinews of his thighs are tightly knit. His bones are like beams of bronze and it goes on and on and on. Talks about the behemoth. Um, we don't know today what the behemoth is. We, have not, we don't have anything that has that name. We don't have anything even in history other than the Bible, and and there are some other writings that talk about the behemoth, um, but it's also uh, we don't have pictures. We don't have a picture of an animal that is the behemoth. Behemoth. Some think that it's talking about the hippopotamus. I don't think so. Exactly. Don't think so. It it it, it, it does. You know, I was wasn't there a, a cartoon character of a hippo that has a, a bow tie on it? That's the only. Thing. Oh yeah, I forget which one. So I, I'm, I'm not crazy, huh? Yeah. See, see. So it's a large animal. I mean, a tail like a cedar. It's you know, it's it, more than likely it's talking about a brontosaurus or some other dinosaur. Um, Job is one of the places where it, it gets very graphic between the behemoth and the Leviathan. It gets very, uh, it graphically describes animals that are outside of our uh, modern day understanding. But I don't believe it's outside of the understanding of not that long ago. Um, what, uh, and you've probably heard me share this already from the, from the, uh, in a sermon, but a um, hundred years ago, what was the most dangerous animal in Minnesota? Do you know? Mosquito. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I don't know, probably like a bear, maybe. <clears throat> nope, not a bear. A hundred years ago. A hundred years ago. Wolf? Nope. Nope. The, um, the pig up in northern Minnesota. I know you know that because you've heard me talk about it. Oh. My, my yeah. aunt. My aunt uh, was 96 years old in 1979 when she died. And when I was a kid, I knew her from about 1965, 67, 
until 79. We used to go up every year. We'd spend the week with you know, her, you know, her and my mom's uncle. And she was a very nice lady. She, you know, she was kind of crazy at the end, but she would tell us stories. We'd talk. We asked questions. And one time I asked her because she was ta- telling me. So she was born in 1880s, in the 1880s. Uh, so she was 96 and 79. And one time she was telling me the story about her walking seven miles to school every day through the woods. And I said to her, I said, were you ever afraid of the bears? And she started laughing. She goes, oh, there were no bears around here at that time. I said, really? And she goes, no, but she goes, we were deathly afraid of the wild boars. There was wild boar in Minnesota. Now, you ask any Minnesotan, if how long ago there was wild boar in Minnesota, they, they couldn't tell you definitively. And some would even, I didn't believe her at first until I realized that, okay, you know, in 1880, she's probably absolutely right. There, there, you know, but there weren't bears, there weren't wolves, there weren't a lot of things back then because the hunters had driven them out because they're, they were wolves, bears, they, they were afraid of them. So they had killed them. The Indians had killed them, driving them, driving them further north and so on and so forth which makes sense because the boars are now down in down in uh, the southern states Texas, Oklahoma. so just because we don't experience it today doesn't mean it doesn't exist or it didn't exist at one point in time and so when in Job we see this description of of behemoth this huge animal uh and, and okay, it makes sense that it's a dinosaur. Well, but but we've heard that dinosaurs didn't don't you know were fifty million years ago. Well, no, they're finding out more and more that there were dinosaurs up even as close as two hundred years ago, and even as close as now today. For mainly in you know the deep dark recesses of the planet where you can't see one being in the water in in the ocean or in other places. And so, um, in this, when he starts talking about Leviathan, and he and he starts, um, God starts to talk about Leviathan, talk about the size and the shape and what it was like, and so on and so forth. And and in verse eleven of uh, uh, verses eight through eleven of chapter forty-one, I believe, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep, 41. Um, and I just slid right past it. Where'd it go? There it is. Lay your hand on him, remember the battle. Never do it again. Indeed, any hope of overcoming him is false. Shall not one shall one not be overwhelmed at the sight of him? No one is so fierce that he would dare stir him up. Who then is able to uh, able to stand against me now. Some say, "Well, maybe you know." They, they th- some theologians think it was a, a crocodile or an alligator. Well, there are people who wrestle alligators. Okay, so it's not you know. Obviously, it's not talking. It's talking about something that is way bigger and scarier, and so on and so forth than yeah, even that. Shoot fire out of their nose, you know? And that's your yes, exactly. We're getting to that. It's going to say in in a verse here coming up that it is it even shoots fire from its nose and its and its mouth uh who then is able to stand against me the logical point is made if job cannot contend with leviathan 
or even Satan, whom the Leviathan represents. After the first chapter, couple chapters, Satan isn't mentioned again by name. You know, the, he's, it starts all out with Satan wanting to do something to Job, God saying it was okay, but you can, here's the parameters, you can work with him. We, we don't ever hear, we don't ever see uh, Satan mentioned again. But many theologians believe that when God is talking about Leviathan, he's talking about a real thing, real animal. But he's also using it to compare it to Satan. Who can stand against Satan? If it was just up to Job, or if it was just up to you and me, in our own strength, we can't stand against the forces of darkness. We can't stand against Satan. But who can? God can. He talks in these verses, he talks about how he has defeated Leviathan. He is he is able to to defeat Leviathan, and, and he's not talking about a sea serpent. He's talking about the devil at that point. He's you know that that there is no match there. So what he's doing is he's comparing the the act of can you know Job? Can you stand against that animal, Leviathan? Well, the answer is no. There's no way you can do that. But I'm not talking about the animal. I'm talking about Satan. You can't stand against Satan on your own. But I can. I've defeated Satan is is what God is saying in these in these verses. And then he brings it back full circle, so why are you challenging me? Who do we think we are when we tell God it's not, you know, you who do you think you are, God? That that you somehow think you can rule the world, that you can somehow tell me how to live my life. When we look at at individuals, people, when they are defiant against God, the truth of the matter is how foolish it is, how stupid it is for human beings to to look at God and say, you have to give me an account. You have to tell me why this is happening. You have to tell me, you know, who do you think you are, God? Uh, and, and then somehow telling God to, 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 to bug off. And the foolishness of that, the absolute futility of it, is 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 hard to believe. It's hard, you know, we we do it as human beings. Human beings do it, but when we look at it in the context of who God is, there's a second second important point that God Himself was master over Leviathan. He said everything in that in those verses. He says everything under heaven is mine. By telling of his dominion over Behemoth and Leviathan, the Lord is illustrating that he has said he is celebrating his moral triumph over the forces of evil. Satan, the accuser, who has been proved wrong through Job, or though Job doesn't even know it yet. The author and reader see the entire picture that Job and his friends never know. God has defeated Satan. Not going to defeat, not... Satan is not even going to be defeated at um, Armageddon. Was that my? Was that my eyes, or was that? uh, Oh, good. Oh, good. (laughs) It's always good to get clarification that uh, other people are seeing what you're seeing. So. Is it windy out there? Is that what it is? Is the wind is yeah. blowing things around? Um, that 
when he's defeated at Armageddon, that's just one of the battles. He's already been, the war, has, he's already been defeated in the war. Satan is losing. He loses every time. The only time that he can win is when he convinces us to believe him that he's going to win. He cannot win. So that's what we were talking about, the video that, that I'm watching. It's the, uh, the video is from the Bible school on Sunday night. We, they, they watched the first four of these. Um, it's called The Supernatural Power of the Transformed Mind. And they watched the first four a few weeks ago, which I missed, and so I'm watching them now. But we're going to watch this, the last four this coming Sunday. Um, and the whole premise of it is, is to think like God thinks. This is how God thinks. He says nothing. He says everything in the world is mine. Everything is mine. Everything is under my dominion. Everything is under my control. Everything is under my power. And you can't do anything. But through him, as Paul said, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And when we start believing that, we won't believe the lie. When we believe that God is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do, when we believe that, then there won't be any room to believe the lie. When he says, when Satan says, your business is going to fail and you're never going to make it, because God would never say that to you. God's word to you is everything you put your hands to prospers. All those who rise up against you shall fall. Though a thousand fall on your right hand and ten thousand on your left, you shall not be harmed. Those are all God's words to us. That's how he thinks. That's, that's how he has set things up. Satan is saying, oh, you're going to get Ebola. You know, you're just, you're going to die. You're going to die from Ebola. Satan is saying, you're just financially, you're going to be ruined. There's, you can't make it. There's not enough money in the world to get you out of the problem you're in right now. You just might as well quit right now. You might as well give up. You might as well throw in the towel because you're never going to pay off those bills. You're just never, you're going to, you know, you're going to, if you don't stop now, when it really all falls apart, you are going to look like such a fool. That's what Satan says. But he's a liar. He cannot, he has no power to do anything against you outside of your his ability to do what you let him do, what you agree with him on. I am the, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. For years, Satan told me, you're, you're not going to heaven. You're not going to make it. You, you rejected Christ way back then. I was there. I heard it. There's no way that God's going to forgive you for that because you rejected him. And I could either believe that or I could believe what the word says. Because one day I, I, I was crying out to God and I said, okay, God, this is driving me nuts. Because he's quoting scriptures at me. All these scriptures saying that I, you know, that once a salt has lost its saltiness, that it, it, it has no value and it just the only thing it's good for is to get thrown on the, on the poop heap, the dung heap. <clears throat> Satan is just hammering me and hammering me and hammering me. 
And I said, Lord, I said, you got to give me something. What? It just, it, this seems impossible. And just then I turned the page in my Bible and it says the things that are impossible for man are, are that are impossible for man are possible for God. I don't know. I don't understand why God still loves me and why God wants me to be a part of his family, but he does. And I, I'm, I choose to believe that. That's what I choose to believe. And I choose to ignore Satan when he tells me, oh, no. And the more you ignore him when he's tempting you to believe the, the lie, the more powerful you get. The more, the more powerful your belief system gets. So when we believe what God believes, that, that nothing is impossible to him. Nothing. That, that he can even raise the dead checkbook He can he can even heal the unhealable. We have examples of diseases that medical history has said are impossible to to you know to restore health or to turn back the damage that has been that has been done. But we have documented cases of people who it has been reversed in their life. God is God does not rule by Satan's by this world. He is over this world. And so what he's saying to Job is, Job, why are you questioning me? Why are you messing with me? Believe what I believe. Believe do, do things the way I do it. Think the way I think. Because when you do, you will win. We'll see at in, at the end, whether it's tonight or whether it's Next week, we'll see. Job repents. And that's one of the things in this video, too, is that Job repents. And what is repenting? Repenting is changing your mind to think the way God thinks. So, I'm, I'm $11,000 in debt, uh, and and I have the opportunity to believe that it's going to fail and that there's no way to pay that off by January 1st and that I'm going to be limited in what I can do that God wants us to do. I can either believe that it's not going to happen, that I, that I will not get the $11,000 by when I need it, or I can believe that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And I don't care how he does it, because that's not that's not the point. I don't have to figure it out for God. I just need to be faithful to believe what he believes, and I have to be able to I, I need to be faithful to do what he says to do. If he leads me to do something, then I should do it. Because it may have a bearing, you know, it will have a bearing on how God does what he does. And I've seen it over and over and over and over again that the impossible is possible. There was a... You probably heard this story before. But... I may even have told it last week. I told somebody recently. So if you've heard this before, don't just sit there and smile. Because that's what, that's what you do to old people when they tell you the same story over and over again. Tell me... You already told me this one. I, I actually appreciate that. 
I think I did tell it in this group. Now I'm getting really self-conscious. <laughs> you have to tell part of it so we know yeah, what story okay. you're talking about. <laughs> Seven trips to England, mission trips to England mm. in one year. I knew at the beginning of the year that, that God was leading me to, to make a number of mission trips to England, setting up a, a trip to uh, for an evangelistic outreach. We ended up doing a month of meetings, and, and uh, over a 1,000 people got saved. Uh, and the church in the town where, where we worked for, for that period of time doubled in one month and has continued to grow ever since. Um, so it was a major outreach, a major working of God. But I knew that I was supposed to go and help set up the, the pre-trip and, and do all the work that was, that was a part of it. The finances weren't there. We did not have the money. I did last week. Nobody else was going to say it, were they? I don't remember I this story. I don't either. I don't. Okay. Maybe he told you this. Yeah. I might have, you might have been the one I told last week at prayer then. Yeah. You've probably heard it. It wasn't the one Thank you, though. See, thank you. I appreciate it. I've heard this story, too, but I don't think she has. I haven't. You haven't? Shush. I haven't heard the story. I want to hear the story. The so, so... <laughs> You didn't I have the finances. Didn't have the finances. And, and, and I said, okay, well, God, if you want me to go, then I need to have the finances. I need to know that the finances are going to be there to go. And put it in his hands. But I started to believe the way he believes. He can do anything. He can do anything. Anything, anything. We were sitting at home one night. You want to tell the rest of the story? Because you can't tell it as good as I do, or yeah, you're you're awesome at telling stories. <laughs> <laughs> so we're sitting at home, and I'm sitting in my chair, my green chair, down by my TV. It was wonderful. They're not in the basement, but um, but I'm okay with that. There's a knock at the door. Doorbell rings, and Debbie is in the other room, and I'm I, I'm going to get up and go answer the door because I didn't know where she was. And the Holy Spirit said, sit down, let her get the door. I was like, great, that's awesome. Thank you, God. <laughs> Tell her to get me some water, too, while I'm She's <laughs> Okay, I'll, I'll stop pushing. Okay, so she, she goes and she answers the door, and I hear the voice of the person who's at the door. I recognize the voice. I, it's not that I don't know who the person is. I know exactly who the person is. And they said, this is for Pastor John. And... You might, you can change, you can, am I right so far? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. So I, they said, this is for Pastor John. And, and I hear the door shut and I hear the paper crinkling. So there's an envelope. I can hear there's an envelope. There's a crinkling of paper and all of a sudden I hear, oh my gosh, right? After they had left. After, After they, they had, had left. left. After they had left. Oh my gosh. And I said, what, what happened? And she came in, she handed me the envelope. She says, I think you're supposed to go to England. And inside was enough money to pay for all the tickets and all the all the time that I was there. It was over ten thousand dollars, or it was like ten thousand dollars. God can do anything. Now, we don't live our life waiting for the check to come in. You know, I mean, we we work and we do our part and we, you know, we be faithful. But God can do miracles. He can do miracles. <clears throat> he is not limited by what we see. Job, when he was saying, you know, cursing his birth and cursing his life and cursing the problems going on, 
he was looking at the situation rather than looking at who is God and what can God do. Now, praise God, he was better than his friends. His friends were saying it's because you did something wrong that you're in the situation. No, it's because we live in a fallen world. It's not because you're sinful that you're dealing with sickness or you're dealing with lack or you're dealing with whatever. It's because you live in a sinful world. In this sinful world, though, we are more than overcomers. We are we are the righteousness of Christ, or righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So, Leviathan, Behemoth, they're all pictures of impossible things that um, God still has control over. So, in verses 18 through 21, uh, so just this is just kind of an interesting sidelight. It says that uh, Leviathan's sneezings flash forth light, and his eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Out of his mouth go burning lights. Sparks of fire shoot out. Smoke goes out of his nostrils, and from a boiling pot and burning rushes, his breath kindles coals. And a flame goes out, from his mouth. Okay, is this just fairy tale? Or does stuff like this really happen? Is there, were there fire breathing dragons? I believe so. I mean, there's a little, um, there's an animal right now today that shoots fire out of his butt. Sorry, but there's no other way to, there's no other way to say it. My roommate in yeah. college could do that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good, good, good big Whoa, that's on the tape. <laughs> Some you can corn chips and bean really <laughs> There's uh, your wife was saying that there's a what is it? I don't know the name of it. It's a certain beetle. Yeah. yeah. They always they always talk about it when they to kind of disprove evolution because this beetle would have never been able to evolve. There are so many separate components that had to all happen at the same time in order for this beetle to... can't remember the name of the beetle, though. Yeah, it uh, protects itself. It, it shoots. It's, there's a gas or something that it emits, and then there's a spark, and it shoots a fire from its body to mm-hmm. protect itself. So mm-hmm. I think it's perfectly... There's two different references in... History. Well, in in I, I have found two different references to the same story in history in China. Thousands of dragon stories and pictures can be found in ancient Chinese books and art. One interesting legend tells about a famous Chinese man named Yu Y U. After the Great World Flood, after the Great World Flood, Yu surveyed the land of China and divided it into sections. He built channels to, d- to drain the water off of the sea, um, off to the sea, and helped make the land livable again. Many snakes and dragons were driven from the marshlands when you created the new farmlands. Ancient Chinese books even tell of a family that kept dragons and raised babies. 
It is said that in those days, Chinese kings used dragons to pull royal chariots on special occasions, a fact of which even the famous explorer Marco Polo himself attests to. And then on a different site, uh, it talks about the same thing. Chinese dragons, well known throughout the world, even appear on the Chinese or on China's 12-year calendar cycle. Eleven of these animals are common today, dog, rat, monkey, and so on. So why assume that the twelfth, a dragon, was mythological? The Travels of Marco Polo describe, that's the book, The Travels of Marco Polo, describes some of these long and lanky serpents, which included short legs and claws, He claimed the Chinese would use special methods to kill these dragons. Some of the dragon's body parts were used for medicinal purposes, and others were eaten as a delicacy. So, um, you got the fire... Bombardier people. Yeah, fire farting. Do you have a video? So you got to have the video. Yeah, let's see it. Actually, I'll put it on my computer. It's bigger. It's called the Bombardier Beetle. Yeah, you can look at it on YouTube. All right. Defies, Bombardier Beetle defies evolution. Sweet. And then there's another one that was filmed in 2009, which is a much shorter video. It's only two minutes. Okay, so while we're off topic... Um, oh, this is so on topic. Yes, go ahead. No, mine is as on topic... Target as the butt beetle is. <laughs> um, so when you're you're asking God and you're saying, you know, I need ten thousand dollars for whatever, how how do you basically ask for it and pursue it or whatever? Um, without making your plan, believing that your plan is God's plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've done that, not really now, but at, when I was younger, I feel like everything I did, I would justify it and say, well, God wants me to do this, and this is why, mm-hmm. and I would justify mm-hmm. things to myself. Mm-hmm. How do you... How, how do you work around that and so it's your living to your full potential or what the plan is but still following God's path for you. Does that make sense? I mean, sure. I, it makes sense in my head. but how, how do you know when it's God and how do you know when it's just you? Yeah. How do you know when you're overreaching and how do you know when you're doing exactly what God wants you to do. Well, sort of, but, like, I want to be a millionaire. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Not really. Um, but, you know, am I going to take these this these course of action to try to get there, but what if that's not God? what God wants? And mm-hmm. you're, you're either going to get there, and it's going to explode in your face, or you're not going to get there no matter how hard you try. Sorry, I just saw something on the YouTube. I was like, "Yeah, I, thought I just saw it too." <laughs> it's like smoke. Yes, there's smoke coming off of him. Kind of like smoking gun. Okay, 
Very good question. Um, could God use someone who is a responsible uh, millionaire? You know what I mean by that question? Can God can God use somebody who is a responsible millionaire? This time they're not doing it because they're greedy. They're not doing it uh, purely for their own self satisfaction. They're doing it because okay, God, you made me a millionaire. Show me how to use it. You show me what you want me to do. Yes. Oh, absolutely. So if if God makes you a millionaire, or if He gives you a way to become a millionaire, and you you're mature, you're centered, you're you're you know you're in the middle of His will, He's going to bless you because He knows that He that you'll be responsible with it. Um, what if we win the lottery and we just like, donate it all to the church? That's <laughs> what everybody says. If I win the lottery, I'll give it to the church. That's. Um, but first, I have to do a few other things before I. There was a pastor once that did a sermon that I've never forgotten about. It called it the dot. Everybody's always worried about doing what God wants, trying to hit the dot, the perfect center of what God's will is. You know, and he used it as there's four jobs, and like, oh, oh Lord, which job do I take? I've got four offers. The Lord doesn't care. He gave you four jobs. Pick whichever one that. That, that you think is the one that you want to do. And everybody gets so worried about hitting that dot, that perfect dot, that they get it all confused. Mm-hmm. So. I think the question you're asking is, say, say you Use want to buy... Use that one. Use that one. Okay, so you have okay. four jobs in front of you. Yes. And... You, you know, you have this job for this reason, this job for this reason, this job for this reason, and you're choosing, okay, well, this would be a lifelong satisfying, I would be doing good, I'd be helping people, but this job, I make more money, so I'm going to take this job and screw everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's the job God wanted you to take, but you took this one. Mm-hmm whether or not what happens afterwards, whatever, whatever, but I don't know. Like, I always struggle with what's me and what's God. Sure. And everybody does. Everybody. Absolutely everybody, including me and tons of other people. We're always wondering, okay, God, what Where do I, What do I do next? Uh, Friday. Friday. I was at home, I was working on something other than church stuff, and all of a sudden I realized I had a choice to make. And I said, okay, Lord, what do I do? If I do it this way, it's actually going to help some other people. It's going to be a blessing. If I do it the other way, it's really just going to only help me. Prayed about it. So here, so you're wondering what maybe the, the steps are. How do you get there? So first, I prayed about it and said, okay, Lord... I'll do whatever you want me to do. I can see the benefits of both of these. On one side, it's more sure, and I can it'll bless me. If I do it the other way, it's less sure, but it'll bless more people. If I do it this way, um, what should I do? I'll do whatever you want me to. I'm easy. You know, I'll, I'll just I just want to serve you. I want to bl- I want to be a blessing in your hands. So I didn't get an answer. So then I went and did some things in one of the directions. 
And that's, that's many times how I will do it is I'll start heading in a direction. And I'll start heading to the direction. And if God wants to stop me, he can. Or if he wants to show me along the way or if I don't feel peace about doing it. And every step I took in that direction, and I'll, I'll tell you, I chose to go in the direction of blessing more people. <laughs> Just so you know. That's where I headed towards. But every step I took, it seemed like it was becoming more of a jumbled mess than if I just did it the other way. And I started not having peace about it. I started, and it wasn't earth-shattering. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't uh, sin, one way or the other. It was just kind of like I was going. This just doesn't seem to be working the way way I would. It just doesn't seem to be working it out. And so I said, okay, Lord, should I go the other direction? I had peace. So I went the way that it's going to bless me better. Okay. That, that is how I make decisions. That's how we make decisions. You know, we, we keep heading in a direction. We, we pray about it, humble ourselves before God. And then we start, we, 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 if, if he doesn't give me a specific direction then I'll just kind of keep heading in a direction until I feel like, okay, I'm not supposed to. And it becomes very clear pretty quick. He, he usually leaves pretty quickly. Now, there's times where he tells me ahead of time, this is what I want you to do. Well, then I head directly for that. And then even if you run into problems, which many times you do, if you know ahead of time that that's the direction you're supposed to head, then it's fine. You just keep plowing through. Because there will be, you know, especially... You head in a direction the way God wants you to do something, you're going to run into problems because they don't try to stop it and twist you and you know, so on and so forth. So it's not an exact science. It's you know, it's not like the the magic eight ball. You know, yes, no, maybe. It's it's okay, God, I'm listening. And then like what we were talking about was it last week or the week before, you you hear things. You 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 know, and I'm not saying audibly. I've never heard the audible voice of God, but you feel like. Okay, I, you know, just there's something about this answer. You know, pray for so and so, head in this direction, whatever. And then when you are obedient to it, and you go and you find out, hey, that was God. Or you hear something, and you go, I just don't feel good about that. That doesn't sound that. I don't have the same peace in my spirit as when I hear the other voice. And you learn that that of the ver- the voice you don't have peace about is usually your you know your flesh the the devil the world you know it's it could be a lot of other things, um, so it's not an exact science, but you learn it over years. You learn it. You learn how to make how to walk that out over time. Um, we don't have the same benefits that the that the prophets did, where you heard the voice of God. Um, and I believe you're not supposed to. I believe that in the New Testament, we're supposed to be led by the Spirit, and it becomes very clear. Um, things that I know I'm supposed to do, it's very clear to me that that's the way I'm supposed to do it. Um, and it, and sometimes it's quicker, sometimes it takes longer. Sometimes I have to wait until I know. Does that sound really convoluted and messy? Yeah, it is. It, there is no easy answer to it. People want an easy answer. It's not. Okay, so uh, are you guys supposed to buy a house? Not uh, right now. God already talked to me about that. Not right now. There you go. So that's, 
So that's easy. So if a house comes on the market tomorrow, pay me tomorrow. <laughs> but it, but if, it, if a house comes on the market that is like your dream home, now you're going to have to make a decision. Do I do we pursue that, or is this just a is this a decoy? And sometimes you don't know until you've kind of went that direction for a while, and and you find out, and you, and you just you you start running into. And I don't even mean problems because problems can be in the right direction too. They they you can you know. But you, it, it, the, the bottom line is always follow the, where the peace is at, where you have peace. Um, is this the way I'm supposed to go? Yeah, I, I feel that's the way I'm supposed to go. Or, no. Uh, I could probably tell this story, can I? I don't know. We were at our cabin a couple of weeks ago, and we were supposed to be setting up for deer hunting. And... I'm at the cabin, and I, we, every time that we were talking about, you know, we should probably maybe start setting up the stands for, you know, because you want the stands out in the woods for a couple of weeks and let the deer get used to them and the smell and all that kind of stuff. So every time I was about to do that, I just felt like, I don't think I'm going to be deer hunting this year. I just, I don't feel peace. I don't, it just kind of like, no, oh, that's not, I'll do it later. And it wasn't just procrastination. It was just kind of like, no, it's just, I don't feel that's the way I'm supposed to do it. And so Ethan is just, what? oh, he just, he loves to hunt. And he just, he's been talking for a year after last year's deer hunt about how he wants to be you know, back out there. And, and every time we talk about it, I just had this, no, don't, don't do it. Don't, don't head in that direction. It's just that, I don't know, but it wasn't, wasn't really uneasiness. It just wasn't peace. There wasn't peace in it. And I told him, I said, you know, here's the deal, bud. I said, I don't think we're supposed to go deer hunting this year. I don't understand why. I don't know anything. I just, all I know is I don't feel like we're supposed to go deer hunting. And he's like, all right, well, we won't then. So, he, you know, he was real good about it. And, and I know he was disappointed, but he was, it's like, okay, whatever, you know. Well, deer hunting is this Saturday. And John's funeral is this Saturday. And, I, you know, after it happened, I was like, oh, okay. Now, now you see it, even though I didn't know what was going to happen, I just knew I wasn't supposed to go deer hunting this year. And I don't, and you know, I wanted to go deer hunting. I wanted to be with my son, but I just had no peace about it. So in, in those kinds of things, you may not always know why it's happening. You just have to, that's when you trust God and you go, okay, I know, I know what I'm sensing right now is God. And it's not because he's negative. It's because he loves me and he's going, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't head in that direction. Don't waste your time. There's been so many times when, when I'm going to preach a sermon and I've been, I've written the sermon. Or I'm, or I'm in the process of writing the sermon. And the Holy Spirit says, take some time off. You're not going to preach it. And I'm like, what do you mean? So I, then I, I, I literally cannot write the sermon. Because there's no anointing on it. And I get here and something completely different happens. And it's like, oh, okay. Now I see it. But you don't... I also, early on, wrote a whole lot of sermons that I never used. Because I didn't listen to that voice. So that's the other way you learn how to hear the voice of God is when you hear the voice and you don't do it, and then you go, Ooh, you know. Sometimes that's the quickest teacher. It's a harsh teacher, but it's the quickest one because you go, okay, that was God. Okay, I shouldn't have done this. So it's not clean. I wish it was and easy. <laughs> yeah. And and if, and you know you've heard the old saying, if it was easy, everybody'd be doing it. If hearing the voice of God and following Him was easy, everybody would do it. The thing is, everybody should be doing it. Every believer 
should be learning that voice and following him because that's what he wants. That's the relationship. <clears throat> that's the relationship that we always talk about is, is we get to know his voice. We get to know his presence. Um, 28 years of walking with God, you know, many times I know immediately what the right answer is. Now, I still go through the process, but usually I know exactly what to do, and I don't want to. Or I know exactly what not to do, and I really want to. And then I, that, I, that's where the struggle lies now, is not knowing what I should do, it's just knowing, just actually doing it. And that's hard. That's, that's a hard lesson to learn, because that's, you know, it's kind of like, your, your parent who loves you, who says, you know, I did that 30 years ago. You don't want to go. You don't want to head in that direction. But then you, know, you look at it and go, what do you know, old man? You know, we can act that way towards God too. You know, I, I know what's better for my life. And we we make mistakes, and we just need to learn from our mistakes. Job did. Job learned from the mistake. You know, at first he's sitting there cursing the day of his birth. He's cursing his life. He's cursing the night. You know, he's cursing his mother, basically. He's cursing God because it's God who gave him life anyway. And at the end, he goes, okay, that was stupid. <laughs> after having God talk to him, and after realizing what with the whole deal, is like, okay, I get this. And he repents. I mean, he, he straight out repents uh, to all of these things. And when he does, that's when everything starts changing. So, chapter 43, 42. Chapter 42, uh, beginning with verse 1, says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything, and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, Who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. We don't know what God knows. We don't, we don't understand what is common knowledge for God. I mean, there, there are things that there is not a human being on the earth understands that God is like, how can you speak a word and a whole universe forms? <clears throat> That's cool. That's, that is just mind-blowing. But it isn't, let me, say, let me say this, it isn't because it's supernatural. What I mean by that is, everything that, that man can do that looks, I'm sorry, everything, everything that is now possible to do that a hundred years ago wasn't possible to do isn't because it's magic. Hoverboards. How many of you watched uh, Back to the Future? Do you know that they just designed a hoverboard? I've seen it. I've seen the video of where they're 
where they're actually riding a hoverboard. I mean, it's a husband and wife designed it, figured it out, and they're now trying to show. And you know, they're using the using it like a skateboard as the you know the 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 rolling out of the concept. But the idea behind it is all kinds of other transportation. It's basically maglev. Is, is but they're bringing it down to room temperature, which is that's the amazing part. Well, it's not magic, you know. I mean, riding above the above above the ground, there is a way that it works. I mean, if, but if you'd have said that a hundred years ago, if somebody would have ridden a hoverboard uh, out across the par- prairie, they'd have been killed for witchcraft. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like the word for the earth being round. Ex- any of it, yeah. That that the universe revolves around the earth. That you know that the earth is flat that the you know all of the things that people used to think well God being able to speak and things exist that didn't exist before isn't witchcraft it's not magic there is a there is a scientific way to explain what he did we just have no concept of the of what it would take to do that at this point in, in our in our existence. It's the same the, the ancient Jewish sages. I don't want to go into it because it gets all of the things that the church doesn't support and stuff. Talk about God showed Moses some of these secrets, and that's how he was able to do a lot of the things that he did mm-hmm. because the Lord shared with him how to do things like arranging certain Hebrew letters and things like that and then it would create and make things happen that we would call magic but God, you know it's not magic for God so it's very interesting that you said that the, uh, the, the walls of Jericho falling from the inside out mm-hmm. it sounds like a supernatural woo, power that is like <clears throat> Do you know that there is such a thing as vibration levitation? There, back in the seventies, I was I went to it was in a part of a class. It was very a, it was a very uh, middle of the road. This this wasn't a crazy church type like us uh, type class. This was a <laughs> this was a very middle of the road church, but they were talking about. Mag- uh, I'm sorry about vibration levitation and using sound waves to lift things off the ground. And they explained that you know a certain certain frequency at a blah, blah 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 blah. Well, now in laboratories they do it. They can make things levitate, but it's because of sound waves. It's how it's getting the sound waves in a certain. But I, it, it's it's witchcraft, but. Scientifically, they can do it. And the person was saying, is that how the walls were destroyed? Because God had them do a specific thing in a specific way that caused the walls to fall down. It wasn't because it was just magic or it was just supernatural. There was an earthquake. I don't think it says there's an earthquake. Well, not in the Bible. Well, see, we're only going by biblical things like... about. Sonic wavelength vibrations caused by trumpets and or or is it if it was an earthquake the walls would have fell in instead of out right maybe so what I'm saying is 
God's way above our way. He, we don't eat, we can't even conceive of a portion of what he understands and what he what he knows. And so Job is voicing that. So when we get into these situations, when 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 we go through life, he God wants us. The whole Bible is produced so that we can get to the point where we believe him when he says he'll do what he can do. Against all odds, against nature, against against everything that will actually believe him when he says if there's somebody with a, a dry eye socket with no with no eyeball in it, go pray for him. And when you do, an eye will form out of nothing. At some point you just have to do the crazy thing and go do what he says to do. And the more times you do that, whether it be uh, doing the, I mean, what used to be crazy to me 30 years ago is nothing now. It was crazy to me for the even think about going back to college. How could I do that? How would I survive? Would I even make it? It makes no sense. Praise God for wives who won't let up. Behind every man who succeeds, behind every man who succeeds is a woman who will not quit. <laughs> Praise God. That's the truth. And that's nothing now. What I, what I used to believe for, I used to believe for five dollars to put gas in my car to make it to work the next day. Literally, I mean, one night, Deb and I, we went on a mission trip. We had nothing. Are we almost? Oh, we got plenty of time for stories. We went on a mission trip. And on the last night, the the night before we left was when the first Gulf War was starting. Remember we stayed up all night long and watched all the CNN uh, video of Baghdad being bombed. That's when we're going on this mission trip. Somebody had given us the money to go on the trip. We had no money. We ate, what did we have, hot dogs and crackers that night for supper? (laughs) Hot dogs and crackers. We ate the last bit of food out of our house. The last. When we came home, we had no money. We had no food in the house. We had, I didn't know, I had no idea how we were going to survive. But we knew. (laughs) True? Yes. (laughs) True. And we weren't going to get paid for a week or two. I can't remember. One week. We weren't going to even get paid. So we had no money for anything. So we get home, and it was, we get home like on a Friday or something like that. It was crazy. And we, we never even had, we had no breakfast. We had nothing in the house to eat. And so we get up and we're looking at each other and say, okay, God, you're going to have to supply for us. You're going to have to take care of us. And the phone rings. Hey, I hear you're back into town. Yep, we got back last night. Oh, that's awesome. We'd love to hear about your story. I said, hey, anytime. You know, just let us know and we'd love to share. And, Tell you what, have you had breakfast yet? No, we haven't had breakfast yet. <laughs> Well, let me take you out. Let, let, let us take you out for breakfast. You can tell us all about it. Took us out for breakfast. Told them all about it. That was great. One meal. Awesome. We still have lunch and supper to go today. I can't remember. Did somebody call us for lunch? Or, I, I know it was like somebody called us either for lunch or for supper. And we ate that whole day. Somebody bought us food that whole day. We went to church the next day. And somebody's 
met, uh, we didn't eat breakfast, but then we went to church and we're hungry. And while we're at church, somebody goes, oh, I heard about the mission trip. Can we take you out for lunch? Sure. <laughs> Took us out for lunch. So that's a day and a half. When we got out to our car that day, somebody had put bags of groceries in our back seat. God, God will supply. Now, can you be foolish and will God bail you out? Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for Deb because <laughs> there are times where you can even make the wrong decision and God will give you the grace. He'll bail you out. One of the, one of the uh, uh, sayings around here is why does God keep bailing Pastor John out? That's for my staff. It's because God loves me. And he knows I believe him. And, and he didn't put qualifiers on whether he'd provide for me. He didn't, he didn't say, I'll provide for you as long as you don't take chances. Or as long as you don't stick your neck out too far. I actually think, here's my philosophy, which scares everybody else. He loves it when we stick our neck out, when we believe beyond what's even possible. And when we do, he will meet us. I, I am convinced of it. I actually think he just gets jazzed. It's kind of like, kind of like you're, you know, watching your kid on a on a, a skateboard for the first time, and they're going to go, "I'm going to go off this jump," and you're going, "No, no, no!" And then when they do it, it's like, "Whoa, way cool," or whatever it is. I think God just absolutely loves when we go. I believe you, even if it's crazy. And he does stuff. I've seen him. We've seen him do it. You know, we've never gone hungry, as you can tell. We've never gone without. We've we've never even things. Even when everything went wrong, everything went wrong. God still built us up. Deb wanted furniture. Furniture. That's a that's a that's a worldly desire. Very fleshy on her part. She wanted no furniture. <laughs> We saved and saved and saved until we finally had money for furniture. And then I had atrial fibrillation. Had to go into the emergency room, spent four days in the hospital, three days in the hospital. Had to have a cardioversion 30 days later. We didn't know that. This was before the cardioversion. But, you know, the, these bills start piling up. And immediately you can see every bit of savings that we have is going to be eaten up in these doctor bills. And, you know, that's sad. That's just sad because I knew what her heart was. I knew what her desire was. I knew that she really wanted furniture, but okay, and we have doctor bills now, and it's going to eat all of it up until people started dropping money off. And by the end of the month, every bill was covered. Never asked them to. Never told them we needed it. People just started blessing us. And at the end of the month, all the bills were paid, and she had new furniture. Praise God. He cares about the little stuff, the stuff that shouldn't matter, right? Furniture. Shouldn't matter. But it matters to God. It's, nothing is impossible. So when Job, he answers, says that he answered the Lord and said... I know that you can do everything 
and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. So that that's what he's that's his statement of okay God, you can do anything. I believe you can do anything. And then he goes on to say that he goes on to repent. Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Whenever we say things rashly, like, okay, yeah, God, God can't do that. It's not true. It wasn't true for Job. It's not true for us. Because God can do anything. Anything. So then, <laughs> let's go on. I was about to really stick my neck out there. Just got done saying God really loves it when you just stick your neck out there. <laughs> well, so what? What happens when he doesn't? When you're believing God for something and it doesn't happen. Exactly. <laughs> Now, I'm going to ask Deb a real question. I'm putting her on the spot. And I want you to answer absolutely honestly. I know you would, but I'm just... Me? You're putting me... (laughs) I may not answer. (laughs) I I reserve the right to say no comment. (laughs) Okay. Has God ever not come through for us? No. Ever? No. But sometimes it took time. Oh, but he still came through for us. Eventually, yes. But sometimes it takes longer than what we want it to take. <laughs> exactly. I can't think of one thing. Now, there's all kinds of things I'm still believing for. So that, you know, putting that into con- into, into context. And, and he's told us no. You know, different things that we wanted to do and he's like no you're going to do this and it ended up being and that's just a blessing it's a leading yeah. thing yes yeah. yeah there's been things where yeah we're, we're we're making those decisions should I go this way or this way well don't go that way yeah okay well that's you need to obey that I mean if you do something that you that he says no to yeah that's 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 defiance I mean that's that's t- removing yourself from from the blessing. This is the part of it where it gets very personal and it can really hurt. And I understand that. What happens if it doesn't happen? I don't know. Because everything we've needed God to do, He's done for us. And I'm not even nervous about saying that because, okay, well, that jinxed you. Now you're not going to... No, I... I just know God. I'm convinced of the fact that He is able to provide. And He's always done it. He's always taken care of us. She's right. Sometimes it takes a long time. I mean, some things have been years. The finances of the church has been 14 years. I mean, it seems like we go week to week and there's little miracles every step of the way. I want the, I want the books to just be blown wide open and have millions of dollars in it so that I never have to think about it again. That would be cool. That's what I would love. It, that, that hasn't happened yet. But 
every week. How's the finances? Well, this didn't happen and that didn't happen, but all the other bills are paid. And then the next week, all those other bills are paid and some other ones, and, and we have $25 in the bank. What do we have right now? $240 or something like that in the bank. Okay. Well, now next week there's another lots of bills coming up. See, it isn't that you don't... I mean, I would love for this to be just blown wide open and be independently wealthy, have the church be independently wealthy and never have to believe one day to the next, but then that, that kind of defeats the purpose of walking with God. One of the theologians in here says, you might as well get used to stuff having to having to believe for stuff because that's life walking with God if we have everything we need we don't need him and that's that's a that's a, a precarious position all right am I making any sense today or am I just you're good Sense. Just doing a lot of talking. No, so for me, when I get frustrated, it's about God. It's my maturity level. If I'm frustrated with the way that you do being immature, mm-hmm. wanting something that's not good for me and for my family or something, mm-hmm. being selfish. Oh, there's lots of things like that in my life, isn't there? <laughs> things that I want. Oh, I, I wanted a. I really, really, really wanted a uh, twenty-passenger people mover van, mm-hmm. so that you can stand up and walk through it, and you never have to crouch and crawl over a seat again. I really, really, really wanted one. So I started putting my faith out there, started believing, started started calling companies. I found one that we could have actually bought last spring, and praise God, we didn't. Because the more I found out about him, it's like, this is not useful for us. And I was convinced that's the way we're supposed to go. So there's been those things, too. Every once in a while, I'm wrong. You are so controlled tonight. You're so, you're amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm serving them up to you. And you're just letting them pass right on by. All right, we're not getting to the end. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you. This is, this is how Job continues on. This is verse 4, how he continues to repent. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you, and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. So once Job sees God, hears God, he's going, dude, if I made a mistake. He says, I abhor myself. Absolutely. He's scared. It's, just, it's shaky. He's deeply shaken because of the, of the magnificence of God. He realizes he has nothing to stand on. He has no, he has no reason to ever have questioned God. 
We should not assume that what Job knew of God was necessarily false, yet each fresh and deeper revelation of God has brought a brightness that makes previous experience of God seem rather pale. What he had just experienced was so real it made his previous experience seem unreal. So the more we know about God, the more we realize we did not understand him to begin with. Even, I mean, 30 plus years, 40 years I've been walking with God, I still just, I, I come to a point where he, where he reveals himself. Last week, something happened where I realized the magnificence of God at a new level. And it literally scared me. Because it isn't what I thought. I mean, it's it's better. It's bigger. It, he's more amazing. He's you just we cannot imagine how awesome he is. And if we somehow ever get to the point where we think we do, we take him for granted. We're human beings. That's what humans do. And Job is saying that. He says, I abhor myself because he thought he understood God. And he was completely wrong. The verb that was that's translated, I abhor myself, could be rendered, I rejected, I reject what I say. So he's repenting, he's changing the way he's thinking, and he's rejecting what he used to think. The Hebrew word literally means from a standpoint to disappear from the standpoint of usage, to retract, to repudiate. As a matter of fact, Job at his at this point went beyond what he had previously said when he declared, I am of small account, and declared that he practically canceled himself entirely. So he's basically saying, I do not exist. I just I I am nothing compared to God. So Job repented of his terrible curse that he had pronounced upon the day of his birth. He repented of the desire to die. He repented of his complaints and cha- against and challenges to God. He repented of his despair. He re- uh, repented of the statements that had been uh, a darkening of wisdom by words without knowledge, that he spoke beyond his knowledge and ability to know. So then, in verse 7 through 9, the Lord begins to speak to Eliphaz and Temanite, the two friends. And he says, My wrath is aroused against you and your two friends. Wouldn't that be a horrible thing to hear coming from the voice of God? I, I am, My wrath is aroused against you and your two friends. So he begins to rebuke Job's three companions. And interestingly, he does not speak, he does not mention... Elihu, the first person to speak, wasn't it? Wasn't it Elihu was the first person to speak? Was he the last? Was the younger guy. Oh, okay. He's the one that's not that true. Yep, yep, yep. That is in my notes right here. Curiously, Elihu is not addressed by God in this final chapter. Some people think it is because Elihu was was correct in what he said, um, and was indeed God's messenger to Job. It's not true. Taking into account exactly what Elihu said, it's better to think that God did not answer him as a way of dismissing him altogether. And one theologian actually says that. He is therefore punished 
um, with silence, which is a way royal, or which is the royal way to correct a wrong. He's treated as though he doesn't even exist, which is even scarier, that if God doesn't even pay attention to you and that as, treats you as though you don't even exist. We're going to finish. I've got two minutes, and I'm going to finish Job right here. Watch this. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters, and he called the name of the first Jemma, Jemmama, 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 Jemima. That's awesome. And the name of the second Kezia, and the na- and the name of the third Karen Hapuk. In all the land were found no women so beautiful as the daughters of Job, and their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. So Job died old and full of days. So, even though you can't replace children, he had ten children plus grandchildren, and because it never mentions any grandchildren in the first chapter, he got even more back, even including children. At least it, it, it's a... It's a consolation. So, the last thing we're going to say about Job. In this book, there is no solution of the problems. There is great revelation. It is that God may call men into fellowship with him, and that the strength of the human soul is ever that of of the knowledge of God. There is no answer. He doesn't tell Job this is what happened. He, Job never knows. At, at least he doesn't say it during during this time. And some theologians say if he had said this is what if he, if he had given Job the answer it would nullify the importance to all of us. Because many most times what we go through there, God never gives us an answer on. He never gives us a an explanation. Uh, Kenneth Hagen, when he was praying for his aunt and his aunt dies anyway and he said he's I prayed everything right he's I prayed every, you know, everything I know I prayed correctly and he says God why did she die and he kept questioning God God why did she die I did everything right she did everything right as far as I know there was nothing wrong with her uh, uh Sin-wise, that that she was making the right confession, blah 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 blah, and he was going through the whole litany of things. God, why did she die? And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, "It's none of your business." That has to be an okay answer. As much as we want to know everything, there are times when we just won't. Why do people die? Because it's appointed unto man once to die. Even though you pray and you believe and you speak life. You know, the last thing I said to John before he died last night was, I speak life over you. And a couple hours later, he died. So, at the time, I mean, I don't question that. I don't question, because I don't know. You know, I don't know. I don't know why things happen the way they happen all the time. But God does. And someday, I mean... Heaven is going to be amazing. There's going to be all these these movies to watch of 
not only what happened in our lives, but what happened, why it happened the way it happened. That's going to be cool. I won't see any of my movies. <laughs> I want really I want to see your movies. <laughs> Uh, for that you get to pray <laughs> or should we make how you pray again that was a really bad idea were you not here last week <laughs> Kelly could you close us out in prayer uh, Father thank you so much Lord for uh, just giving us time to come together to study your word to take us deeper in knowledge of you and Father, we pray for John's wife and for his family that you comfort them during this time, Lord. We pray for Pastor John that you would give him the words to say, Lord, um, to help bring peace into that family. That you protect us as we all go home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.